all you have. You are now tuned in to Parker Swayze. So just sat back and ready to play. Let me take your thoughts far, far away. Now let's hear what Darth Vader has to say. We would be honored if you would join us. What's going on, my far, far away family? How's everyone doing today? Not much new on our side of the galaxy. Jedi are hiding and the Sith rule the universe. Same old thing. First, let me say sorry for our lateness. We had a slight miscommunication, but we got it taken care of, so now we can get to the next chapter of this book. Because when we left Bane last week, he had just set up a master plan to destroy the Jedi on Rusan. So let's see what's happening with him now. Khan, Githany, and the rest of the Dark Lords had gathered atop a barren plateau overlooking the vast forests where Hoth and his army were hiding. They had come on their flyers, short-range, single-person, airborne vehicles front-mounted with heavy blaster guns. The flyers were parked at the edge of the plateau, 50 meters away from where the Sith sat in a loose circle. The ritual had begun. They were communing with the Force, all of them slipping into a meditative trance as one. Their minds drifted deeper and deeper into the well of power contained within each individual, drawing on their strength and combining it through a single conduit. Bane stood in the center of the circle, urging them on. Touch the dark side. The dark side is one, indivisible. The night sky filled with dark clouds and a fierce wind swirled across the plateau, tearing at the cloaks and capes of the Sith. The air shook with the thunder and crackle of a mounting electrical storm. Bolts of blue-white lightning arced through the air, and the temperature suddenly dropped. Give yourself over to the dark side. Let it surround you, engulf you, devour you. The Brotherhood slipped deeper into the collective trance, barely even aware of the storm now raging about their physical selves. Bane stood at the eye of the storm, drawing the bolts of lightning into himself, feeding on them. He felt his strength surge as he channeled and focused the dark side from the others. This is how it should be. All the power of the Brotherhood in one body. The only way to unleash the full potential of the dark side. Do you feel invincible? Invulnerable? Immortal? He had to shout to be heard above the howling wind and thunder. A web of lightning spiraled out from his body, connecting him to each of the other Sith. He shivered, then suddenly went stiff, arms spread out at his sides. Slowly, his rigid body began to rise into the air. Can you feel it? He screamed, feeling as if the raw power of the force roaring through him might rip his very flesh asunder. Are you ready to kill a world? There was very little in the galaxy that could scare a man like General Hoth. Yet as he sat looking over the latest situational reports from his scouts, he felt the first glimmers of real fear gnawing away at the base of his skull. The rift between himself and Farfalla had been mended, but now there was no way to get the reinforcements down to Rusan's surface. Small messenger ships with a crew of one or two had been able to slip past the Sith blockade undetected. Though on occasion, even these vessels had been spotted and destroyed. Anything larger would never make it. 
but his fear was more than the result of his frustration at having help so near, yet so impossibly far away. There was something sinister in the air, something evil. Suddenly, an image leapt unbidden to his mind, a premonition of death and destruction. He sprang to his feet and ran from his tent. Even though it was the middle of the night, he was only mildly surprised to see that most of the rest of the camp was up and about. They had felt it too. Something coming for them. Coming fast. They were looking to him for leadership, waiting for him to take command. He did so with a single shouted order. Run! The storm rolled down from the plateau and rumbled across the forest. Hundreds of forks of searing lightning shot down from the sky, and the forest erupted. Trees burst into flames, the blaze racing through the branches and spreading out in all directions. The underbrush smoldered, smoked, and ignited, and a wall of fire swept across the planet's surface. The inferno consumed everything in its path. fire. There was nothing else in Bane's world. It was as if he had become the storm itself. He could see the world before him, swallowed up in red and orange, and reduced in seconds to ash and embers by the unchained fury of the dark side. It was glorious. And then suddenly it was gone. There was a jarring thump as his body dropped from where it had been hovering five meters above the ground. For several seconds, he was completely disoriented, unable to figure out what happened. Then he understood. The connection had been broken. He rose to his feet slowly, uncertain of his balance. All around him were the forms of the Sith, no longer kneeling in meditation, but collapsed or rolling on the ground, their minds reeling from the sudden end to the joining ritual. One by one, they also regained their composure and stood, most looking as confused as Bane had been only seconds before. Then he noticed Lord Khan standing off to the side, over by the fires. What happened? Bane demanded angrily. Why did you stop? Your plan worked, Khan replied curtly. The forest is destroyed. The Jedi have fled to open ground. They are exposed, vulnerable. Now we go to finish them off. Khan had broken the connection, and somehow he'd managed to drag the others out along with him, as if he had some hold over their minds. Perhaps he does, Vane thought. Further proof that they all had to be destroyed if the Sith were to be cleansed. As the others regained their senses, Khan was shouting out orders and battle plans. The fire flushed the Jedi out into the open. We can mow them down from the sky. Hurry! They jumped at his command, rushing to their waiting vehicles and taking to the sky with battle cries and shouts of triumph. Come on, Bane, Githany said, rushing past him. Let's join them! He grabbed her arm, pulling her up short. Khan is still trying to win this war through blasters and armies, he said. That is not the way of the dark side. It's more fun this way, she said, the excitement obvious in her voice. She shook free of his grasp. As he watched her run to join the others, he realized that she had been corrupted by the teachings of Cordus and the Academy on Korriban. 
despite her promise to follow Bane, she couldn't see beyond the Brotherhood and its limitations. She was tainted, unfit to be his apprentice. She would have to die with all the others. There was the faintest hint of regret as he made the decision, but the regret was hollow, the echo of a feeling, the last vestiges of an emotion. He snuffed it out quickly, knowing it could only make him weak. You frighten us, Bane, a voice said from behind. He turned to see Copage, studying him carefully. When we were focusing the force through you, it felt as if you had your teeth on our throats. But Twillick continued, as if you were trying to suck us dry. The power of the dark side is strongest if it is concentrated in one vessel, Bane replied, not spread out among many. I did it for the sake of the dark side. Copper shook his head and climbed onto his flyer. Well, we know you weren't doing it for us. Bane watched him soar off. Then he climbed onto his own flyer. But instead of following Khan to the battle, he set a course back to the Sith camp. The first phase of his plan to destroy the Brotherhood was complete. When he arrived back at the camp 20 minutes later, he wasn't surprised to find it completely deserted. All the Dark Lords had been on the plateau for the ritual, and they had all flown off in Khan's wake to face the suddenly vulnerable Jedi. The soldiers, servants, and followers who made up the bulk of the Sith army had originally been left behind at the camp, but they'd since received calmed orders from Khan and the others to join them at the battlefield. Bane brought his flyer in for a landing in the heart of the camp, right beside Lord Khan's tent. He killed the engine and was surprised to hear the distant whine of another flyer approaching. He looked up, curious. When it swooped in low, he recognized the rider. The vehicle was bearing down on him in a direct line. Bane let his hand drop to his lightsaber, ready to unclip it at a moment's notice. The force welled up within him, prepared to throw up a protective shield if the flyer's front-mounted blaster should open fire. But the flyer didn't attack. Instead, it swooped a few meters over his head, banked sharply, and then came in for a landing beside his own. You have no need of your weapon, Cordis said as he dismounted. I've come with an offer. Realizing there was no immediate threat, Bane let his hand drop back to his side. An offer? What could you possibly have to offer me? My allegiance, Cordis said, dropping to one knee. Bane stared down at him, his expression a mixture of horror, amusement, and contempt. Why would you give your allegiance to me? He asked. And why should I even want it? Cordis rose slowly to his feet, a cunning smile on his lips. I am not blind, Lord Bane. I see you're speaking with Githany. I see how you are undermining Khan. I know the real reason you have come to Rusan. Perplexed, Bane wondered if it was possible that Cordis, the founder of the Academy and Korriban, the most ardent proponent of all that was wrong with the Sith, had finally seen the truth. What exactly are you proposing? He asked through clenched teeth. I know what's happened to Kasim. He sided with Khan against you. 
He paid for that decision with his life. I am not so foolish. I know you're here to take over the Brotherhood, he declared. I believe you will succeed, and I want to help you. You want to help me take over the Brotherhood? Bane laughed. Chorus was as blind and misguided as the rest of them. Replace one leader with another, and you and the rest of the Brotherhood continue on as before. That's your brilliant plan. I can prove quite useful to you, Lord Bane, Cordis insisted. Many of the Brotherhood are former students of my academy. They still look to me for wisdom and guidance. And therein lies the problem. Bane lashed out with the dark side, seizing Cordis in an immobilizing, crushing grip. His opponent tried to protect himself, throwing up a field to deflect the incoming assault. But Bane's attack tore through the pitiful defense, wiping it away as if it hadn't even been there. There was a strangled cry of pain from Cordis as the force tightened around him and lifted him up from the ground. Your wisdom has destroyed our order, Bane explained casually, watching as Cordis struggled helplessly above him. You have polluted the minds of your farmers. You and Khan have led them down the path of ruin. I, I don't understand! Cordis gasped, barely able to speak as the breath was squeezed inexorably from his lungs. That has always been the problem, Bane replied. The Brotherhood must be purged. The Sith must be destroyed and rebuilt. You, Khan, and all the others must be wiped from the face of the galaxy. That's why I've returned. Dawning horror spread across Cordis's long, drawn features. Please, he groaned. Not uh, like this. Release me. Let me draw my lightsaber. Let us fight uh, like Sith. Bane tilted his head to the side. Surely you know I could kill you just as easily with my lightsaber as I could with the Force. I... No! Cordis's skin was turning red, and his body was trembling as the pressure mounted. Each word he spoke took tremendous effort, yet somehow the dying man found the strength to make his final plea. Bane gave an indifferent shrug. Honor is for the living. Dead is dead. A final push with his mind tightened the invisible vice. Cordis let out a final scream, but with no air in his lungs, it came out only as a rattling gasp that was lost beneath the snapping and crackling of his bones. Had Bane still been capable of such emotions, he might actually have pitied the man as it was, he simply let the corpse fall to the ground, then wandered into Khan's tent and the communications equipment inside. It was time to enact the second phase of his plan. 
We love bringing you more Star Wars, and it is because of our partners that we can do this week after week. So we invite you to be one of those partners. For as little as a dollar a month, you can help us keep this going. Your support will give us the ability to create future episodes, as well as provide you with the best sounding show on your playlist. And to express our appreciation, we will give you a shout out on our mid-series show that we do in the middle of every book. You will also be automatically entered in all future giveaways. All you have to do is go to the show notes and click that listener support link. Now let's get back to the show. On the deck of nightfall, great flagship of the Sith fleet, acting commander Admiral Adriana Nyrus responded to the hailing frequency coming from the private comm link on her wrist. This is Admiral Nyrus, she said into it. I await your orders, Lord Khan. Lord Khan is not here, an unfamiliar voice replied. This is Lord Bane. She hesitated for only a second before answering. Khan rarely let anyone else use his personal transceiver, but on occasion it did happen. And with the security encryption on the equipment, it was virtually impossible for anyone else to tap into the frequency. The message had to be coming from the Sith camp, which meant she really was speaking to one of the Dark Lords. Forgive me, Lord Bane, she apologized. What are your orders? Status report. Unchanged. She replied, her voice sharp with military precision and efficiency. The blockade is intact. The Jedi fleet still hovers just beyond our range. Engage. Pardon? She asked, so surprised that she momentarily forgot whom she was speaking to. You heard me, Admiral. Engage the Jedi fleet. The order made no sense. The last time Khan had spoken to her, he'd ordered her to hold their position at all costs. As long as they maintained location and orbit, their blockade was virtually impenetrable. If they broke formation and attacked the Jedi fleet, however, they wouldn't be able to stop dropships from landing reinforcements on the surface. Still, she had been given strange orders before during her service with the Sith. There were rumors that Khan had some mystic power, some way to influence the outcome of a battle through the power of the Force that could make traditional strategies fall by the wayside. And if a Dark Lord was giving her a direct order, using the personal communications equipment in Lord Khan's tent, she wasn't about to run the risk of refusing to obey. As you command, Lord Bane, she answered, we will engage the Jedi. fire drove General Hoth and his army from the sheltering confines of the forest. Leaving most of their supplies and equipment behind, his troops ran through the trees, a mad scramble to escape the searing heat and flames. Those who stumbled or fell were instantly swallowed up by the conflagration. Somehow most managed to stay ahead of the deadly fires, eventually bursting out of the woods and into the rocky plains where so many battles had already been fought. The Sith were there waiting for them. The first wave of Hoth's followers to emerge from the forest were mowed down by blaster fire. Those just behind were able to draw their lightsabers and deflect many of the deadly bolts as they raced out onto the plains, only to be swallowed up by the throngs of Sith soldiers rushing forward to engage them. Though outnumbered, the Jedi more than held their own. They drove the Sith ranks back, breaking their lines and throwing them into chaos and disarray. But Hoth knew that the real trap had yet to be sprung. 
hewing down any foe foolish enough to come in range of his lightsaber, the general could sense these were not the true Sith. The Dark Lords were not among them. These were the faceless hordes, nothing more than a distraction. Where are they? What is Khan up to? The answer came an instant later, when a battalion of flyers swooped in over the horizon, unleashing a deadly barrage across the battlefield. Guided by the power of the dark side, the heavy guns were deadly in their accuracy, decimating Hoth's troops and turning the tide of the battle back in favor of the Sith. Hoth had faced impossible odds before and triumphed, yet he knew this battle was fated to be his last. But I will make a last stand worthy of story and song, he thought defiantly, even though there won't be anybody left to sing it. The world dissolved into the numbing fog of war. Screams and the sounds of battle became a dull, indistinguishable roar. The spray of dirt and stone from the blaster bolts exploding into the ground showered down on him from above, mingling with the sweat and blood of both friend and foe. He swung each blow as if it might be his last knowing that sooner or later, one of the flyers would lock in on him and swoop down to finish him off. Lord Khan's flyer carved a path back and forth above the milling soldiers on the battlefield below, soaring over the chaos like a grim bird of prey. From his vantage point, it was clear the battle was theirs. Yet even though they were ill-equipped, outnumbered, and badly outgunned, the Jedi fought bravely to the bitter end. There was no hint of retreat, no breaking of their ranks. He couldn't help but admire such courage and such devotion to a cause, even in the face of certain death. If his own troops had been so steadfast in their loyalty and purpose, he would have won this war long ago. It wasn't that they lacked discipline. The Sith armies were just as well-trained as those of the Jedi or the Republic. They simply lacked conviction. Too often their morale had been held together only by the sheer force of Khan's will. His battle meditation strengthening their resolve whenever the situation seemed grim or desperate. But his battle meditation could only do so much. Against an entire army of Jedi on guard, against the force powers of the Sith, it could do little more than instill a vague sense of unease. A small advantage, but one easily overcome. Here on the surface of this wretched world, the Brotherhood of Darkness and its minions had been forced to fight on their own merits, without his intervention. And far too many times, they had come up short. There had been occasions when he'd questioned the ability of his followers to succeed on their own. There were instances when he wondered if the Sith troops had become so reliant on the enormous advantage of his battle meditation that they'd forgotten how to fight effectively without it. But now at last, the ultimate victory had been achieved. The Jedi were making a last desperate stand, one glorious to behold, yet the outcome was inevitable. There was just one thing left for Lord Khan to do before the fighting ended. He continued to weave back and forth, firing sporadically at the enemy below as he searched for his real prey. Then at last he saw him, General Hoth. 
standing in the very center of the fray, surrounded by a bulwark of valiant allies and a relentless sea of Sith foes that broke against them again and again and again. Locking his flyer's guns on his target, he swooped in, intent on taking his rival's life in a spectacular strafing run. But a mere second before he fired, a massive explosion rocked his flyer, causing it to veer to the left. His shots carved a deep furrow in the ground several meters to the left of the general, leaving him miraculously unharmed. Hoth continued fighting as if he hadn't even noticed. But Khan banked his vehicle around sharply to see what had happened. Before he could turn, another explosion shook the sky beside him, and he saw one of the other flyers careen out of control and crash into the ground. He looked up, realizing they were under attack from above. A pair of massive gunships were descending on the battle, their batteries blasting the sick flyers from the sky one by one. On the underside of each ship, the colors of Jedi Master Valentine Farfa were clearly visible. Impossible. Khan cursed silently. There is no way they could have broken through the blockade. Not with ships like this. Yet somehow they hadn't. Another series of blasts took out three more of the small fires, and Khan realized it was his army that was now suddenly overmatched. The flyers were quicker and more maneuverable than the Jedi gunships, but their blasters wouldn't even make a dent in the larger vessel's heavily armored hulls. For a brief second, he thought he might be able to rally the other Dark Lords. If they concentrated their attacks, they might be able to bring the gunships down, though their own losses would be heavy. But he dismissed that idea as quickly as it had come. He wasn't the only one who had noticed the arrival of the Jedi reinforcements. Faced with overwhelming odds, the Dark Lords, under his command, had reacted in the only manner they understood. Self-preservation through flight. Already most of the other flyers had broken off their strafing runs and were executing evasive maneuvers intent only on escaping the battlefield alive. And with their lords and masters fleeing the engagement, the hordes of Sith soldiers on the ground would be quick to follow. Imminent victory was about to become disastrous defeat. Swearing vile oaths against both the Jedi and his own people, Lord Khan knew there was only one option left. Weaving and darting to avoid a pair of bolts intended to blow him from the sky, he joined the retreat. Okay, this was a good chapter. It had a lot of action and something that I have been waiting to hear. Bane finally says that he is going to kill Giffen. I really thought that he was going to give her another pass, but not this time. Okay, I'm putting way too much into this. That's not the only thing that happened in this chapter. There's a lot to cover, so let's move on. So the chapter starts with the Sith performing a ritual that will destroy the surface of the planet, including the forest where the Jedi were hiding. Of course, the forest warned the Jedi and they run for their lives. Then Khan breaks the connection to engage them. Bane is not surprised at his action. He's still thinking like a dirt general. But all the Sith jump on their flyers to follow Khan into battle to fight the Jedi. After they had gone, Bane gets onto his own flyer and goes back to the Sith camp. The second wave of his plan is about to start. So when he gets back to the camp, he noticed that he was followed by the last person in the world that he'd ever expect to follow him. 
Cordes had followed him back to the camp. When Bain asks him what he wants, Cordes gives the answer that will cost him his life. He pledges his allegiance to Bain. He still thinks that Bain is there to take over the Brotherhood. So Bain uses the force to grab and squeeze him. Cordes asks to battle with his lightsaber, hollering a bunch of nonsense about honor. But Bane just tilts his head and crushes him. And that was the end of Cordis. Now on to the second part of his plan. He is going to let the Jedi pass the Sith blockade. He tells the Sith fleet admiral to engage the Jedi. And as soon as they did, it opens up holes for the Jedi ships to pass through. Khan and other Sith were winning the battle at this point. Hoth knew that his time was short. Then he sees Khan coming for him. Khan was shooting right at him. This is when the other Jedi show up to save the day. Khan didn't know how they got through the blockade, but this had changed the tide of the battle. But all the other Sith were retreating at this point, so Khan had no other choice but to follow suit. Now knowing that there was only one way to win the war, and that's where the chapter left us. I'm going to recount all the times that I said Bane is crazy. Well, I guess if you say all brilliant people are crazy, then he is definitely crazy. But this has to be the best plan ever. Do you know what Khan is going to do next? I'm not going to spoil it by saying it, but I think everyone at this point knows what he's going to do. And we will have to find out in the next chapter. Now onto some news and rumors. So what do we have for this week? Okay, this is a quick part that people need to be aware of. Some Star Wars fans are annoyed that people don't know who Revan is. If you don't know who Revan is, or you know someone that doesn't know who Revan is, send them the link to season two of our show. We covered the whole Revan book. There's no reason that someone should know who Revan is. Let's teach them about his awesomeness. Okay, now that we got that out of the way, let's get to something a little bit more interesting. Something that might help out a lot of you cosplayers out there. I want you to think back to the very first time you watched Star Wars. It's easy to imagine yourself playing one of the roles in the movies. Some of us wanted to be Jedi, smugglers, bounty hunters, fighter pilots, or even a princess. But all of us wanted to be something. The thing was that it was hard to pick just one. Well, Hasbro is making it easier than ever to pick with their newest helmet. The Black Series Wedge Battle Simulation Helmet. Wedge Annalise is one of the few characters from the original trilogy that lived through the whole series. He participated in some of the biggest battles and piloted iconic ships. He went on to star in the longest running Star Wars book series ever. He continues to pop up in new Star Wars novels and this helmet is modeled after his legendary piloting from the films. The wearable helmet offers interior padding, electronic lights and sound effects. There are three speakers inside the helmet to create an immersed battle simulation. You can feel the experience through synchronized LED lights that light up inside the visor to simulate battle fire from the enemy vehicles. Also inside the helmet is a switch that lets you choose between a simulation of piloting an X-Wing at the Battle of Yavin or a Snowspeeder in the Battle of Hoth. Hasbro used the word simulation rather loosely because there is no on-screen display or anything like that. So you'll probably be looking at at least a pause image from a Star Wars battle. The helmet will go for $99 when it hits the shelf sometime in June. You can order right now through Entertainment Earth and the official Hasbro site. If you are more of a Jedi type than a pilot, make sure you keep your eyes out for the real lightsaber that Disney is making. That's what I am waiting for. Okay, on to the quote for this week, and it comes to us from David Schwartz. And he said, how we think shows through in how we act. Attitudes are mirrors of the mind. They reflect what we are thinking. Often people's attitudes can block their blessing. You never know who's watching you. Let me tell you a true story. Something that happened to me. One day I went with a friend while he ran some errands. It was one of those days and it was showing in my attitude. I was walking around like someone stole my lightsaber. Well, we went to a friend of his house. I walked in looking this friend up and down, talking like my poop didn't stink. 
After we left, my friend told me that he was a producer for DC Animation, and they were constantly looking for voice actors to fill roles. I knew at this point I had probably blew my chance. I would never be able to get a role with DC now. Luckily, my friend set up another meeting with him. He brought me along, and the guy didn't even remember me. I was able to get another chance, which was my biggest break in my career. But it almost cost me my chance. I can't even remember what was wrong with me. But whatever it was I was thinking about that day showed in my action and almost cost me everything. So remember, be at your best at all times. Don't let what you are thinking about showing your attitude. And with that being said, I think this episode is done. Join us next week as we cover Chapter 29. Hope to see you there. Thank you for listening to Sway. Join us next time for more Star Wars adventures. If you would like to listen to other episodes of the show, you can find us and subscribe on your favorite podcast directory. If you enjoyed the show, we would greatly appreciate a five-star review. Once again, thank you for listening, and may the Force be with you. Sway was created by Keen Eye Shit and is a production of Pick Film Media. This show was produced by Quentin McDaniel, sound designed by Theodore Thompson, researched by Tammy Turner. I am your host, Kyle, and we will see you next time in a galaxy far, far away.